0: Welcome to Grace Community Church Wednesday night service. Uh, Thank you all for coming out and thank you for tuning in online if you're watching online. If it's your first time tuning in or your first time here with us on Wednesday night, thank you for coming and thank you for tuning in. Uh, My name is Wade, if you don't know me, and I'm glad you're here. Uh, Let me go ahead and open us up in a word of prayer and we'll just get right into tonight's message. We're getting started just a little bit late and actually got a longer message than we usually have father thank you for the opportunity to get up here and share this message that you've given me this week i pray that you just open every heart and mind lord to receive what you're saying tonight and i pray lord that you would help us not only to understand what you're saying but help us to remember it and meditate on it and apply it to our lives father so that we can get to bear the fruit that you want us to bear and we'll give you the glory for that. And it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. All right. Well, we're actually going in a different direction this week. If you've been here for the last probably six weeks, I think, we've been talking about the love of God. And, you know, and where it talks about it in uh, First Corinthians chapter 13, you know, what that should look like and what it shouldn't look like. But this week we're going in a different direction. Uh, a completely different direction but uh, we're going to be talking about seasons in life you know all of us go through seasons in life you know life never stays the same it's constantly changing all the time nothing ever stays the same you know some of the seasons are really good you know I don't know if any of you ever have or not but if you've ever went to a really good season where everything was just really good everything working out and all your health is really good your finances are good your relationships are good uh, a season where there's just nothing bad happening and nothing was wrong and I think everybody gets a chance to go through at least one of those in their life and that's nice if you do get to go through that that's really nice but you know like we just said life changes and. Uh, Things don't stay like that all the time. Those, those seasons, if you do have a really good season like that, are few and far between because most of us are usually facing something in our life. It don't have to be something huge, but usually most of us always have something going on, some kind of problem. So it don't matter who you are or what kind of background you have. We all have to face challenges in our lives. We all have to face difficulty and letdowns from other people or financial hardship or health problems or, you know, we just keep going on and on and on. There's all kinds of trouble. Uh, Some of it is our own trouble, things that we bring on ourselves. And sometimes it's uh, somebody else's trouble. You know, we just get caught up in things that other people are doing. Or sometimes, you know, maybe we are a victim of what somebody's done to us. And then a lot of times, it's just a result of living in a fallen world. You know, we live, in a, we live in a godless society for the most part that don't know God. And as a result of just that, you know, people get hurt and uh, people do you wrong. People cheat you and lie to you. And like I said, I could just go on and on and on about things that could go wrong. <coughs> So if you are one of those people that are going through a really good season right now, enjoy it, you know, enjoy it while it lasts. But uh, tonight, I want to talk about the rest of us that are not going through a really good season right now, the ones that are going through a hard time that's that's not so easy and not so enjoyable. Uh, I'm not even sure what kind of season you would call that, so I'm just going to call it A downcast season. What I mean by that is uh, it's not that you're going through a season where you're just depressed all the time. I mean, you may be depressed some of the time, but not all the time. You know, you still have good days every once in a while and bad days. But you just feel oppressed or weighted down or pushed down most of the time. Uh, A season where nothing seems to come easy and everything seems to be harder than it should be. You know, you don't remember things being that hard to do before. You know, and it's hard to find, uh, in a season like that, it's hard to find joy in the things that you know you should be enjoying, things that you used to enjoy, that now just seem like a a task to you. Uh, in a season like that, you got to struggle to stay in fellowship and to stay connected with other people because you, when you get in a season like that, A lot of times we get this overwhelming feeling to isolate and just stay away from people. And uh, the same thing, too, if you're going through a season like that, a lot of times you just feel tired all the time. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are going through a season just like that right now. So tonight I want to talk about, you know, how do you wind up in a season like that and how do you get out of a season like that? You know, I said a minute ago that life is always changing. It never stays the same. So I want to start with how we get out of it. And, uh, you know, the answer to that really is Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm not going to just give you the churchy answer and, and leave you hanging, you know, because that does sound like the answer if you're in church. So, What's the answer to your problem? And, uh, you know, a lot of people just tell you, well, you need to give that to Jesus and, uh, they don't go in and tell you how. They don't tell you how to do that. But I'm not going to do that to you. I want to. I want to walk you through it and show you how. Uh, Hebrews thirteen eight. I want to start with this. You know, I keep saying life never stays the same. Life always changes. Nothing ever stays the same. But Jesus Christ, it says, is the same yesterday, and today, and forever. Jesus Christ never changes. You know, life is always changing. So the answer to our problems, it can't be anything that this world has to offer because everything in the world is constantly changing. You know, it's constantly deteriorating, and it's temporary at best. And it don't matter what area of life that you're looking at. You know, our finances are always changing. You know, dollar's not worth the same as it was last year. Next year, it's not going to be the same as it is this year. So we can't trust our finances. Our health is always changing. You might be in perfect health today and your health fall apart tomorrow. You know, I just had surgery a few weeks ago. So you can't depend on that. We can't depend on people. People are always changing their minds. We can't put our face in our jobs. So nothing that this world has to offer is what we should be trying to solve our problems with. It has to be something that's constant something that's steadfast, and something that never changes. And the only thing that we know of, that we can say that about, is Jesus Christ and God's Word. So the out, out of, the answer to getting out of that season is hope. Uh, Jesus Christ is our hope. He's our life, and He is our joy. So if the answer to getting out of that season is hope, that gives us actually gives us the answer to how we got into that season you know somewhere somehow along the way we began to lose hope you know it may have been little by little it may have been all at one time but without hope you know no matter how we got there whether it took a short time or a long time then we're hopeless and uh hopeless means that i have nothing to look forward to and hopeless means that i don't think things are ever going to get better and uh I've been This week I've been reading about a few people in the Bible who had lost hope and how they got there and how they got out of that. And uh, every one of them, for different reasons, got there the same way. Uh, started out, they got out of fellowship. And in doing, doing that, they got out of worshiping God with the people of God. They got out of gathering together just for the purpose of praising God together because we're the family of God. You know, it's what we do here on Sunday mornings. You know, a lot of us may not have a whole lot in common, but we meet here on Sundays and Wednesday nights because we all have the same Lord. We're united in the same spirit, and it keeps us connected to God. You know, this He's our source of hope. And <clears throat> We get together together to praise God and thank Him for that hope. But when we stop doing that, like these people we're gonna look at, you know, we get outside of gathering together and praising God, then when we do that, we get out of being in communion with with God. And I want to read you the definition of communion, and I'm not talking about communion like you might be thinking about. You know, we have the ceremony of communion where we remember Jesus and what he's done for us, you know, and we talk about his blood and his body being sacrificed for us, uh, That's called communion, but that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, What I'm talking about tonight is different. So I want to read you the definition of communion before we go any further. Communion means the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental or a spiritual level. I want to read that again. Uh, Communion means the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings especially when the exchange is on a mental or a spiritual level you know that's how we wind up slowly losing our hope (coughs) excuse me and that's how we wind up in a season of feeling downcast and separated you know we stop communing with God on an intimate level and sharing all of our intimate thoughts and feelings with him and with his people, you know, not just with God, with someone else. We've got to be in fellowship, you know. We are the family of God, and we're part of the army of God. So we have to be in the practice of communion with each other and especially with God. When we get out of communion with God and we stop sharing our thoughts and our feelings with God, then we start separating from God. And without a relationship with God like we should have, You know, he is our hope. When we step away from that, then slowly we start to to lose our hope. And, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that I'm a soldier for Christ. And, uh, you know, I don't need to be around anybody else. I've got my own faith, and I don't have to belong to a church. I don't have to do any of that. You know, I can stand on my own faith. I've heard that more than once. Uh, And you may be a soldier for God but one soldier on a battlefield by himself is in trouble. You know, we can see that, just take spirituality all out of it. Just in a regular army, you can take one soldier, he might be the best soldier the army has, but you drop him in the middle of the battlefield by himself and he's going to be in trouble. You know, he's no match for the whole enemy by himself and uh, none of us are either. And if you truly care for the other people in the army, then you'll be in the battle with them, helping protect them and fighting right alongside them. You know, I'm not saying you're not spiritual, if that's you, but that's not kingdom-minded at all. You know, that's a selfish mindset. That's not for the good of everybody. Uh, when you have a mindset like that, you're only thinking of yourself and your own faith and your own walk with God. And you're not worried about the kingdom. Uh, King David, I want to use him for our first example tonight. He was a mighty warrior. You know, he was a mighty man of God. And the Psalms are full of examples where when he separated from the people of God and not being able to go to the house of God, that's when he would lose hope. And that's when his soul would be cast down. And uh, his countenance would fall. And because of that, you know, the whole nation would suffer. You can see his relationship with God be strained just over and over and over simply because for some reason or another, you know, he wasn't able to go into the house of God and worship the way he used to. Uh, I want to read you an example of that. Like I said, Psalms is full of them, so I just picked one of them. In Psalm 42, verses 1 through 5, it says, As the heart pants after the water brooks, so pants my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the health of his countenance. So whether it was, you know, whatever reason, you know, if it was Saul chasing after him or his own son chasing after him or his own sin separating him from being able to be in communion with God and praise God with the multitude, you know, the result was always the same. He wound up losing hope. And uh, his soul was cast down and his countenance would fall. But if we keep on reading, in almost every instance you see of when David winds up in that shape, his way out of that was always the same too. You know, he would remember, my hope is in God. It's not in my circumstances. It's not in what's going on. His hope was in God and uh, his hope was in praising God and returning to God. And uh, we can see that in Psalm 42, verse 11. He asked himself again, you know, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. He knows all he has to do is get back to God, get back into communion with God, and uh, get that relationship back where it's supposed to be in sharing his intimate thoughts and his uh, feelings with God and get that made right. And then his countenance would come back to where it was supposed to be. And, uh, you know, if we go back to that soldier of Christ that stands by himself that we were talking about just a second ago, uh, David was the soldier for God. You know, if you ever read Psalms or First uh, and Second Samuel and Kings, he was the leader of the Israel's army. And uh, he made the biggest mistake of his life because he wasn't where he was supposed to be with the army. Or with the multitude, you might say, you know, he isolated and got and made the biggest mistake he ever made. You can see that in Second Samuel, uh, chapter eleven, verse one, and it says, "And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon, and besieged Rabbah." But David tarried still at Jerusalem, and uh, you all know what happens after that, because he stayed behind and he didn't go to battle, he didn't go with the people of God that he should have went with, then he was in a place he wasn't supposed to be. He was on the rooftop and he saw Bathsheba and wound up having an affair with her, and uh, as a result of that, a lot of people died, Uh, his own children died, and the whole The whole country, the whole nation, suffered because of that. So we have to stay in fellowship to truly stay connected. You know, we're easy prey when we're all alone. And uh, that's one of the reasons I chose David. He was like the greatest soldier for God that there was back then. And uh, even him, he was easy prey for the enemy when he was alone. You know, we need that encouragement from one another that we stand together in Christ, that we belong to God and we are His people. And when we gather together, we're reminded of that. And uh, it's easy when you're by yourself out in the world to forget who you are and to forget that we are children of God. But every time we gather together, you know, we're reminded of who we are. We're children of God. That's why we meet together. And uh, believe it or not, there's That good reason, but another good reason to gather together is you're the face that somebody's looking forward to seeing when they get to church. You know, you might not think you are, but I guarantee you everybody is, somebody is waiting to see you when you get here. You know, nobody is insignificant in the kingdom of God. You know, you might be the only person they feel comfortable with. You know, they might not look up to you as a spiritual leader, but they, When they see you, they're comforted just because you're there, because they're comfortable with you. And if you're not there, uh, they might not come back the next time. They might not get what they need. And uh, you definitely won't get what you need if you're not here. That's why it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. <clears throat> so gathering together to come to church, you know, it has a, a bigger meaning than than learning about God and praising God. It strengthens the family of God. You know, if I never come to church, if I never see you, then We'll never build a relationship, but when we do build those relationships and we all get to know each other, it becomes strong. And uh, we find strength in community because we don't feel like we're all by ourselves. And uh, that leads me to our next example. Uh, Elijah, in my opinion, was probably the greatest prophet other than Jesus himself that you can find in the Bible and. uh, he got to a place where he thought he was all alone and I want to talk about that for a minute. In 1 Kings uh, a lot of y'all probably heard about this story where Elijah calls down fire from heaven and burns up the sacrifice but the reason he did that most of the people in Israel had gone away to serving different gods and uh, you know they all were serving Baal So Elijah called a meeting with them, and he said, you cry out to your God, and I'll cry out to my God, and the God that answers will be the true God. So in chapter 18, I'll read you verses 38 through 40, (coughs) so you can see that yourself. Did I not write that one down, Travis? But he says, then the fire of the Lord and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and looked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal and let not one of them escape. And they took them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. So you got one man a man of God standing against 450 prophets of Baal is how many were there, and uh, the Bible says they were all crying out to their God, and they got, later in the day, you know, they got frustrated and they started cutting themselves because their God wasn't answering, but all Elijah had to do was say one prayer to his God, and he answered him, and he burned up the whole offering, and uh, you know he did a lot of mighty things for that, or for God. But right after that is what I want to talk about. Right after that in 1 Kings chapter 19 in verse 4, I mean, this will just right after that happened, We'll find Elisha, and this is what it says. It says, he went himself, went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. And said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my fathers and what had happened you know he called down fire from heaven and then he took a sword and killed 450 prophets of Baal did all those mighty things for God and then the next day uh, a woman said that she was going to find him and kill him and he thought he was the only one left so he ran away for his life and uh, he's he's in pretty bad shape when we get to that verse there. And if we keep going, in verses 5 and 6, it says an angel came and encouraged him and fed him. It says, and he lay and slept under a juniper tree. And behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. Sometimes I think we just get too tired. I mean, uh, you know, let's be honest, sometimes you're just too tired to have intimate thoughts with God, and you're just physically wore out, and uh, that affects us mentally and spiritually. That's why having a Sabbath day is so important, you know, but that's a whole another message. Uh, it's important to get some rest. It's hard to commune with God or anybody else, you know, when we feel like a zombie mentally. You know, all we're to do is... We get to the point where, like, just leave me alone. Uh, But if we keep reading in 1 Kings chapter 19, in verse 9, you know, God comes to him, and he pretty much asks him, you know, what's going on with you? And it says, And he came unto a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah tells him, in verse 10 that he's all alone you know there's nobody left but me he thinks it says and he said I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant and thrown down your altars and slain your prophets with the sword and I even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away but <clears throat> You know, he thinks he's all alone and there's nobody left but him. He didn't lose his faith in God. He just felt like I believe a lot of us do sometimes. He felt like he was the only one in the world that had faith. He felt like it was him against the world. And uh, I like the way God didn't pat him on the back and tell him everything was going to be okay. Instead, in verses 15 through 17, he just told him, get back to work. These are the things I have for you to do. And it says, The Lord said unto him, Go, return on your way to the uh, wilderness of Damascus, and when you come, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shall you anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of alma shall you anoint to be prophet in your room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapes the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay. And him that escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. So he gives him instructions on how to keep serving him. But after he tells him that, and Elijah does what he says, in verse 18, he reassures him, you know, that you're not alone. He says, yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. (laughs) And if we'll skip ahead to verse 21, not only did he reassure him that you're not alone, he sent him some help. And then verse 21, it says, And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and bowled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave them to the people, and they did eat. And then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. That verse is talking about Elisha. Uh, That's what he did after Elijah called him to come and follow him. He went back and, uh, you know, did all those things. And then he went and followed after Elijah and ministered to him. Uh, So the Lord reassured him that you're not alone. And then he gave him Elisha as a helper. And Elijah went for 18 more years serving the Lord. So Elijah didn't lose his faith. Like I said, he went on to serve the Lord for 18 more years. He just needed some encouragement. He needed to know he wasn't alone. And he needed some help. And we need encouragement. And we need help too. Uh, nowhere in there, though, did we read, did Elijah call out to God and tell him how he felt. You Remember the, the definition we just read for communion? Sharing our intimate thoughts and our feelings with God. Elijah didn't do that. He ran for his life instead of crying out to God, and then he got depressed and got under a tree and said, I'd be better off dead. He didn't ask God for help. He could have cried out to God and said, I'm afraid. I feel all alone. I need some help. Like I said, he didn't lose his faith, and he had amazing faith, but he had lost his communion with God. Uh, He lost sharing his intimate thoughts and feelings with God. And he didn't do that. And like I said, he was a man of amazing faith. I firmly believe if he would have done that, I'm sure God would have answered him. You know, he prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And uh, we just got through reading where he prayed for fire from heaven and got it. Uh, The book of James actually uses him as an example of prayer and faith. Uh, We can read that in James chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. It says Elijah was as human as we are. That's another reason I chose him as one of the examples tonight. Probably the greatest man of faith that I can think of was Elijah. And if he can get to the point where he's not communing with God and it affects his prayer life, then I think it would affect ours too. But it says he was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. then when he prayed again, the guy sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. And like I said, it says he's just like us. He was just a human like us. It wasn't that he didn't have faith. He had great faith. He had just fell out of communion with God and lost hope for a season. And, uh, you know, when his hope was restored and he started communing with God again, you know, that season was over. He went back to serving God for 18 more years. And that's what we do, too. You know, we fall out of communion with God, and as a result of that, our prayer life suffers. And then when that starts happening, then we start losing our hope little by little. And, uh, you know, for all you married people out there, or any relationship for that matter, it don't have to be a marriage. You know, if you stop communing with one another, if you stop sharing your intimate thoughts and feelings with one another, then just like we drift away from God, our relationships start to drift apart too, and we'll feel alienated from each other. We'll feel separated instead of close. You know, communion is important in every relationship, but especially with God. You know, sometimes we start to lose our hope or we get cast down, not because our relationships are failing, but just because we get our focus on everything bad around us. You know, we said a while ago, we live in pretty much an ungodly society. And every day, I mean, you can look around and see just horrible things all the time. Uh, in our next example, I want to use Jeremiah because he was in a, you know, he, he could turn any direction and all he saw was desolation and, and bad things. And we'll see that in a minute. But uh, Jeremiah was just a kid when God called him to be a prophet. And uh, I never want you to take my word for things. I like to show them to you. So in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, you can see that. This is where God called Jeremiah and told him, you know, I knew you before you were even in your mother's womb, and you're going to be a prophet to the nation. And uh, this is Jeremiah's response. Oh, Sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. Then God told him, it says, The Lord replied, Don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. So the Lord told Jeremiah, I'll be with you and I will protect you. He gave Jeremiah hope and faith in God. And that's what he gives us. You know, when we come to Christ, we get hope. That's why we come to Christ. We need hope. We need a Savior. So when we come to Christ, we get hope and we get faith. But just like Jeremiah does, or did, sometimes we get so focused on all the bad things that we hear and that we see every day, we get our eyes off of God and we start slipping out of communion with him. Uh, I'm just going to read you a little bit out of Lamentations. That's the book after Jeremiah, and uh, if you've ever read Lamentations, it's about Jeremiah. He's in, uh, the children of Israel have been carried off into Babylon captivity, and uh, he's been there since he was a little kid, and every day all he can see is the, the devastation all around him, you know, because people are dying from hunger and thirst, and you name it. It was just really horrible, and that's what he sees every day. And uh, if he's not careful, that's all he would focus on. So I'm going to read out of Lamentations 3, verses 16 through 24. <coughs> this is Jeremiah talking. He says, he has made me chew on gravel. He has rolled me into dust. And he's talking about God. He's looked at this stuff so long. Uh. You know, it's got his mind messed up. It says, peace has been stripped away, and I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. And we get that way. You know, if we got so many bad things going on in our life, We get so overwhelmed with them so focused on them then we actually think that God has stepped away that God is mean to us and that God is sometimes we think God is behind these things but like Jeremiah this is what we need to do we need to remember God is good God is on my side and in verse 21 it says yet I still dare to hope when I remember this and then he goes on to start remembering the things that God had told him you know the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies <coughs> never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in Him. You know, if you like I said, if you'll read through Lamentations, you'll see Jeremiah. He goes through those seasons like that. He's looking around, and all he sees is that devastation, and it gets overwhelming. And, uh, you know, that's what we do. But once in a while, he stops like we just saw, and he realizes, you know, that I'm losing my hope. I'm losing my hope in God. I'm falling out of communion with God. And then he has to remember, you know, the promises that God gave him. And that's what we have to do, too. You know, like I said, we're all going to go through bad times. But during those bad times, we need to keep our focus on God and not our problems. You know, that His love never ends. His mercy never stops. It's new every day. You know, like we said, to start with, life's always changing and there's always going to be another struggle. But we've got to do like Jeremiah just did right there. Stop in the middle of it and recognize when my hope and my communion with God are fading. And that is a another very good reason for us to not forsake our assembling together. You know, when we get to know each other, you know, personally, and uh, hopefully intimately, we'll get develop our relationships. When you're having a bad day, I'm going to notice it. And I'm going to say, what's going on? What's happening? And uh, then we can encourage each other. And, uh, you know, if I'm having a bad day, you can call me out. And that helps me realize that I'm losing my hope. I'm losing my relationship with God, and we can keep each other from straying like that. You know, we can't just ignore the circumstances of life, but we don't have to be so focused on them, we forget to commune with the only one that can help us through them. Uh, I love Psalm 46, verses 1 and 10. Uh, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. In verse 10, I believe it goes right along with that. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. So when life gets hard, you know, instead of avoiding people and avoiding God, we need to run to God. You know, he is our refuge and he is our strength. And we need to be still for just a minute, you know, like Jeremiah did, and get our focus back on him and not the problem and commune with God and share our thoughts and our feelings with him instead of just keeping them in our head and rolling them over and over and over and making them worse Uh, the last example that I have for tonight I think I still have time to get this one in is uh, a guy named Achan and uh, this is in the book of Joshua I don't have time to read you the whole story but uh, in Joshua chapter 6 that's where it's talking about when they're going into the promised land the first city that they come to is jericho i know y'all have heard them talk about marching around jericho seven times and then when they shout the walls fall down and they run in there and uh, you know they destroy jericho but before they went into jericho god gave them instructions in uh, joshua 6 verses 17 and 18. he says everything in it must be completely destroyed uh, And just to put you in a mindset, this today applies to us as our old life and our new life. You know, if we're going into our promised land, everything in our old life, God says, must be destroyed. You know, we can't hang on to our old man, our old sin nature, and live a godly life at the same time. So think about that while I'm reading these verses. It says, everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared for she protected our spies. And in verse 18 it says, Do not take any part of the things set apart for destruction or you yourselves will be completely destroyed and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Uh, <clears throat> so God told them don't keep any of that stuff because it's a curse and if you keep it, then you're going to bring a curse on yourself. But Achan, the guy I was just talking about, he was from the tribe of Judah, and he kept some of that stuff. He kept some silver and some other things, and he hid it in his tent. And, uh, you know, he didn't tell anybody. He thought he had gotten away with it. And Joshua, the leader of the armies back then, he didn't know that. So he sent 3,000 men to defeat the next town on the list and the name of that next town was Ai, and uh, so he sent 3,000 men up there, but he didn't know that Achan had put that stuff in his tent, and when Achan did that, it didn't just curse him, but it brought the curse on the whole nation of Israel, or the whole family, or the whole army, you know, however you want to look at it, he brought the curse on everybody. So when Joshua sent those 3,000 men up against Ai, they didn't have God's blessing anymore, So God didn't go before them. And when they got there, 36 of those guys got killed. And uh, the rest of them came running back because God wasn't with them. And uh, when Joshua heard that, he fell on his face. And we can read that in Joshua chapter 7, and verse 6. This is when those guys came running back and told him, you know, 36 of us just got killed because God wasn't with us. And Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads, and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Uh, The next couple of verses is Joshua asking God, why did you let this happen? You know, why weren't you with us? And uh, God answers him in Joshua 7, uh, verses 10 and 11. He says, but the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They've stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but have lied about it and hidden those things among their own belongings. So he he told Joshua, you've got these things in your house. I plainly told you you shouldn't be there. That's why I wasn't with you at AI. And by the way, uh." this is just like God told Joshua to get off his face in uh, verse 10 there. If you've fallen and you fell flat on your face, you know, God's telling you the same thing. Get up and let's talk about why you're on your face. Take it to God and he'll show you why. Just like he showed Joshua in verse 11. 11. God plainly told him, you know, you got to get that thing out of your house. I told you you couldn't have it, you're going to bring a curse on yourself. And like I said, we've got to look at these verses, how they apply to us today. You know, God tells us our old simple life, we have to get rid of it. And if we're hanging on to it and trying to hide it, you know, whatever that thing is in your house or in your heart or in your life, whatever that accursed thing is, it's got to be destroyed. And uh, the Lord said, I'll show you which one it is, you know, I'm talking about Joshua. He said, I'll tell you which one it is. I want you to bring everybody before me, uh, every tribe of Israel, and I'll show you which tribe it is. And then I'll show you which family it is. And then I'll show you which person it is. And that's exactly what he did. And uh, we can see that in Joshua chapter 7, verses 14 through 16. And uh, this is a really good story if you've got time at home to read it. Read Joshua chapter 6 and chapter 7. I just don't have time to share the, the whole thing with you in one message. Uh, in verses 14 through 16, it says, In the morning you must present yourself by tribes, and the Lord will point out the tribe to which the guilty man belongs. That tribe must come forward with its clans, and the Lord will point out the guilty clans. That clan will then come forward, and the Lord will point out the guilty family. And finally, each member of the guilty family must come forward one by one. And the one who has stolen what was set apart for destruction will himself be burnt with fire, along with everything he has, for he has broken the covenant of the Lord and has done a horrible thing in Israel. And early the next morning, Joshua brought the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Judah was singled out. So the Lord showed Joshua who the guilty party was. But but the most important part that I want you to see in this, if you don't get anything else out of this, I want you to see this. Uh, He not only told him why they lost those men at Ai, he told him what the problem was, he told him who it was, and he told him how to handle it. But the most important part was the very first part of verse 16 here it says early the next morning Joshua brought the tribes of Israel before the Lord so he got up and he did exactly what God told him to do and I think you know just like with things in our life that shouldn't be there if God points something out to you then do exactly what he tells you to do I think a lot of times we know what the problem is we're just not willing to do what God's asking us to do. And uh, I'm sure that wasn't something Joshua enjoyed doing. He probably knew Achan. They might have been friends. We don't know that. But he not only had to put Achan to death, he had to put his entire family to death. And not just his family, but the Bible says all of his animals, even all of his stuff, you know, they stoned him to death, then they burned him with fire, Then it says they buried him in a big pit and then piled stones on top of him. Uh, I'm sure he didn't want to do that at all, but he was obedient to God and it got the sin off the whole nation. So are there things in your house that you don't think anybody knows about or in your heart or in your life? Because God knows and it will hinder your communion with God until you deal with it like Joshua did. And just like he pointed out to Joshua who the guilty party was, uh, Psalm 139 says, if if we'll ask God, he'll show us what we need to remove from our lives. Uh, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. So if you are in a season right now being cast down or feeling hopeless or no joy, like we started out with, the answer is Jesus, you know, because he never changes. And uh, once God does reveal something to you in your life, he'll tell you what to do with it. And uh, just be obedient to him. Commune with him. Share your most intimate thoughts and feelings with him. You know, that is prayer. That's confession, not only to God, but to one another. Uh, James 5.16 tells us, confess our sins to each other and pray for each other. That's another reason we should fellowship, so we can pray for each other, so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You know, that's fellowship. That's family. That's the army that we've been talking about. You know, if you're in that season, commune with God, commune with each other, you know, God's people. And just like David and just like Elijah and Jeremiah and Joshua, after we have communed with God and uh, we heard what he has to say, obey him. You know, just do whatever he says and stay in fellowship and serve him. And I promise you that no matter what your circumstances are, you will have hope. Uh, no matter how bad things are and you can still have joy because your relationship with God is good and you'll get the encouragement from God and other people if you stay in fellowship and you'll get the help you know that you need during a time like that to get you through that season but you can't do it alone Uh, nobody can do it alone and you can't fix it or come out of it with anything this world has to offer you know I was talking with a guy last night. You know, it's not, a, it's not a worldly battle. It's a spiritual battle. You can't fight it without the Spirit of God. And if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, you don't have anything to fight with. Uh, the first step in communion with God is admitting that you need a Savior, surrendering to Jesus as Lord. And then you can receive the Holy Spirit to help you overcome these things. <coughs> and you need to be in fellowship in a community of believers. You know, Jesus himself instituted the church. So who do we think we are that we don't need church? We need each other to grow in Christ and to grow together. But like I said, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, that's where it starts. You know, you need the Holy Spirit to to strengthen you and help you do these things. And I want to share these verses with you in closing. Uh, I hate to close without giving somebody an opportunity to give their life to Christ. In Romans chapter 10, verses nine and 10, it says, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And that's not hard to do. I mean, now you, can, you don't have to be in a church to do it. You can get saved right there at home on your couch. All you got to do is believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins and uh, that he raised again the third day and he's sitting at the right hand of God making intercession for you. And uh, just tell him, I need a Savior. I need help. And invite him into your heart and he will come in. And if you've done that, it says confess it to somebody else. Confession, it says, made unto salvation. So let somebody know. Tell them, today I gave my... My life to Christ. And the Bible says if you've done that, then you are saved. And don't ever think you're too bad to get saved. Uh, Verse 13 in Romans 10 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, don't listen to people if they're telling you you've got to get it all together before you can come to church or be saved. Uh, Romans 5, 8, i like to share this one too. It says, God showed his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. They don't say anything about you know, God expects us to straighten up come to church and then we can be saved. It says He He died for us while we were sinners because we are sinners. And we need a Savior. So if that's you tonight and uh, you need a Savior, cry out to God and uh, He will save you right where you are. But uh, that's all I've got for tonight. I hope that really helps somebody. If you are going through a season like that, where everything just seems hard and you're hopeless, and you know what's your prayer life like? Uh, how's your fellowship with other believers? You know, are you separating yourself from God? You know, communion. I love that definition. If you're not sharing your intimate thoughts and feelings with other people and God, then that's why you feel isolated. Because you're isolated in your own mind. We need each other and we need God to not go into seasons like that. And we definitely need each other and God to get out of a season like that if that's where you are right now. So I hope that gives somebody some help and uh, some hope. And uh, I know it works. I mean, I've used it on myself. So I know it works. But that's all I've got for tonight. And uh, thank you all for coming out. And thank you for watching. If you tuned in online, uh, let me pray for us and we will be dismissed. Father, thank you for this message that you gave me this week. Uh, Lord, I'm thankful for what it's done in my life just this week. And uh, I'm looking forward to see what it does next week. And Father, I just pray for everybody that heard it here or online today or in the future, God. I just pray that you would help them to truly. Take a look at yourselves and uh, take a a look at their relationship with you and with others, God. And I pray that you'd help us to, if we're not communing, to start communing, to work on our prayer life and uh, to share the things that we're going through with you and with somebody else and get the help and the encouragement that we need. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us that are going through a good season right now, Lord, like we talked about a while ago. Help us to be the encouragement that somebody else needs, to be the help that the other person needs. And Lord, in all things, I pray that you would help us to, to just give you the glory for it. Father, please be with us as we go home. Please keep us safe, and we'll give you the glory for that too. But thank you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.